Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Markia, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those voyaging into the dark with us for the first time, welcome. Patience is a virtue, isn't it? That's what I've always heard. When we hear it, it's usually a friend, loved one, or guardian telling us that to stop our foot from tap-tap-tapping in an innocuous situation. But patience isn't only for the virtuous. Patience can be a monster's best friend. Because insidious beings by their very nature are ever so patient, waiting just until our attention will slip. So then they can claw into the places we least expect and follow us to the grave. First, the rake. A classic creepypasta turns its gaze on us once more. Next, a child spends time with a praying figure. After that, simple shapes can have deadly meanings. And finally, a voice calls out from down below. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week. As always, the first story you hear is one that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. Then, I read a few more stories for the podcast. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Or if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, Consider joining our Patreon. Our patrons play a huge role in keeping the show running every single week. For more information on how you can help the show and also be a part of it, visit patreon.com snarled. So, want to hear something scary? The Rake. Throwing it back to a classic creepypasta story, we dig up the tale of The Rake summoning it to continuous afterlife on the underworld wide web. During the summer of 2003, events in the Northeastern United States involving a strange human-like creature sparked brief local media interest before an apparent blackout was enacted. When the power was restored two hours later, little or no information was left intact, and most online and written accounts of the creature had mysteriously disappeared. Primarily focused in rural New York State, self-proclaimed witnesses told stories of their encounters with a creature of unknown origin. Emotions range from extremely traumatic levels of fright and discomfort to an almost childlike sense of playfulness and curiosity. While their published versions are no longer on record, the memories remain powerful. 
Several of the involved parties began looking for answers that year. By early 2006, the collaboration had accumulated nearly two dozen documents dating between the 12th century and present day and spanning four continents. In almost all cases, the stories were identical. I've been in contact with a member of this group and was able to get some excerpts from their upcoming book, like this one, The Rake from a Witness in 2006. Three years ago, I had just returned from a trip to Niagara Falls with my family for the 4th of July. We were all very exhausted after a long day of driving. So my husband and I put the kids right to bed and called it a night. At about 4 a.m., I woke up thinking my husband had gotten up to use the restroom. I used the moment to steal back the sheets, only to wake him up in the process. I apologized and told him I thought he'd gotten out of bed. When he turned to face me, he gasped and pulled his feet up from the end of the bed so quickly his knee almost knocked me onto the floor. He then grabbed me and said nothing. After adjusting to the dark for a half second, I was able to see what caused the strange reaction. At the foot of the bed, sitting and facing away from us, there was what appeared to be a naked man or, or a large hairless dog of some sort. Its body position was disturbing and unnatural, as if it had been hit by a car or something. For some reason, I was not instantly frightened by it, but more concerned as to its condition. At this point, I was somewhat under the assumption that we were supposed to help him. My husband was peering over his arm and knee, tucked into the fetal position occasionally glancing at me before looking back at the creature. In a flurry of motion, the creature scrambled around the side of the bed and then crawled quickly in a flailing sort of motion right along the bed until it was less than a foot from my husband's face. The creature was completely silent for about 30 seconds, just looking at my husband. The creature then placed its hand on his knee and ran into the hallway, leading to the kids' rooms I screamed and ran for the light switch, planning to stop him before he hurt my children. When I got to the hallway, the light from the bedroom was enough to see him crouching and hunched over about 20 feet away. He turned around and looked directly at me, covered in blood. I flipped the switch on the wall and saw my daughter, Clara. The creature ran down the stairs while my husband and I rushed to help our daughter. She was very badly injured and spoke only once more in her short life. She said, he is the rake. My husband drove his car into a lake that night while rushing our daughter to the hospital. He did not survive either. Being a small town, the news got around pretty quickly. The police were helpful at first and the local newspaper took a lot of interest as well. However, the story was never published and the local television news never followed up either. For several months, my son Justin and I stayed in a hotel near my parents' house. After we decided to return home, I began looking for answers myself. I eventually located a man in the next town over who had a similar story. We got in contact and began talking about our experiences. He knew of two other people in New York who had seen the creature we now refer to as the rake. It took the four of us about two solid years of hunting on the internet and writing letters to come up with a small collection of what we believe to be accounts of the rake. None of them gave any details, history, or follow-up. One journal had an entry involving the creature in its first three pages and never mentioned it again. 
A ship's log explained nothing of the encounter, saying only that they were told to leave by the rake. That was the last entry in that log. There were, however, many instances where the creature's visit was one of a series of visits with the same person. Multiple people also mentioned being spoken to, my daughter included. This led us to wonder if the rake had visited any of us before our last encounter. I set up a digital recorder near my bed and left it running all night, every night, for two weeks. I would tediously scan through the sounds of me rolling around in my bed each day when I woke up. By the end of the second week, I was quite used to the occasional sound of sleep while blurring through the recording at eight times the normal speed. This still took almost an hour every day. On the first day of the third week, I thought I heard something different. What I found was a shrill voice. It was the rake. I can't listen to it long enough to even begin to transcribe it. I haven't let anyone listen to it yet. All I know is that I've heard it before, and I now believe that it spoke when it was sitting in front of my husband. I don't remember hearing anything at the time, but for some reason, the voice on the recorder immediately brings me back to that moment. The thoughts that must have gone through my daughter's head. I have not seen the rake since he ruined my life, but I know that he has been in my room while I slept. I know and fear that one night I'll wake up to see him staring at me. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. It's said that as we grow older, we lose the ability to see things as clearly as a child does. But perhaps that's a good thing. Like in this story inspired by Thomas. No, don't leave, Mommy. You can't leave me with him again. My mother's eyebrows shot up in alarm as her eyes glanced around my kindergarten classroom, taking in my teacher, Miss Linden, and my other classmates. With who? Yesterday had been my first day at this new elementary school, and I had hated it. Not my classmates or my teacher. It was because of him, the messed up man. There's a bad man in my classroom, and he keeps watching me. I whispered to her, near tears. Of course, Mommy checked with the school, teacher, and my classmates, but nobody else could see him. She dropped me off the next day with Miss Linden, telling me school can be scary, but to try to make friends. 
the messed up man was there, waiting. His face and body were just wrong, twisted backwards and bloody with two all-white orbs for eyes, with wild hair and a baseball cap with a zigzag on it. He wasn't there all the time, but when he was, he would follow me in the classroom, the lunchroom, even the bathroom, and he would laugh. His laugh sounded like a gurgling pipe clogged with glass. There was one place he'd never go, but that place was worse in some ways. The playground, near the higher grades classrooms. He never followed me there, but then I had to listen to the screams. They'd start low like the wind, then get louder, mixing in with the laughter of kids playing during recess. It was all around. It was horrible. But when I went there, he'd leave me alone for a while. It got worse after kindergarten. First grade, when he would show up, he'd start whispering at me. His messed up lips rubbing together, whispering constantly. I started shouting at him to stop. Around school, I became known as the freak out kid. No one really played with me. Second grade, the messed up man started to talk to me. Laughing, he'd come by to tell me of the horrible, scary things he did to kids like me. He'd lead them away from the playgrounds and they would never find their bodies. He described the places, little sheds in the wilderness, a small stream and the old sandbox. I began to draw them and him, the messed up man in his zigzag baseball cap. The panic attacks started in the third grade. I rarely saw him, but when I did, he was just silent again, just staring. Somehow that was worse. Finishing up in the school bathroom one day, I washed my hands and felt a hand on my shoulder. Looking up at the mirror, it was the messed up man. He'd never touched me before. His hand felt real, digging into my shirt, my shoulder. You're mine! He snarled, pulling me off my feet towards the bathroom door. I kicked out, terrified. The hall monitor burst in to find me alone clutching the pipes under the sink, screaming in panic. There was a meeting after that with the principal, my teacher, and mother. They asked me who the man was, and I told them again, the same one from kindergarten. I still saw him. I showed them pictures I drew and described him. Startled, the principal pointed at the zigzag cap and hair and said he reminded her of a janitor from years ago. He'd been let go after he'd become a person of interest when some third grade students went missing. He died in a horrific car accident before he could be arrested. This happened about when I started kindergarten. I told them where he said he'd buried the bodies. The school was closed for a few days after that. On the news, it was announced that remains of children were found at my school hidden deep beneath the wood chips of the playground and in the woods by the stream. Evidence was found linking the murders to the fire janitor. They showed a picture of him. It was my tormentor. He looked normal in his zigzag cap. When the school reopened, I still went there until grade six. 
And after the remains were removed, the messed up man just wasn't around anymore. But I still hated my school. From the playground, the sound of murdered children screaming still made it hard to pay attention. Thank you, Thomas, for sharing this story with us and inspiring us for this episode. And thanks to our patron, Lyndon. We named a character after you in this story. I'm wondering if anybody out there, have you seen or drawn anything that could be a premonition? Something like with this particular person and the messed up man? If so, we definitely would love for you to send that to us. Send that to something scary at snarl.com. And what do you think about the messed up man? Did he go away because the remains were taken away or did he go somewhere else entirely? Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. If you're fascinated by the darker sides of humanity, join us every week on our podcast, Serial Killers, where we go deep into notorious true crime cases. With significant research and careful analysis, we examine the psyche of a killer, their motives and targets, and law enforcement's pursuit to stop their spree. Follow Serial Killers wherever you get your podcasts and get new episodes every Monday. The camp experience is a rite of passage, whether you're attending as a kid or going back as a counselor. In this story inspired by Maddie, find out what happens when rights become final. It was 1965, and 17-year-old Valerie was a new camp counselor at Camp Broken Bend. Her troop was small, but mighty. A gaggle of socialite children, Anne, Kit, Louis, Barbara, and Reggie. Lights Out was always at 7 o'clock, and she'd gather the kids up hoping they'd be tired from the day's activities. Most of the time, they were still pretty wired, and they'd ask her to tell them scary stories about Bigfoot or the Boogeyman. After Lights Out, she'd hear them talk amongst themselves, wondering if the legends were true. Go to sleep, she'd remind them, and they'd hush up for a moment before falling into softer whispers and giggles at being caught. Valerie always left a walkie in their cabin for emergencies, just in case. Later that night, in her cot, she heard a static squawk come from hers, followed by beeps and whispering. Concerned, Valerie picked up her walkie, pushed the button, and responded. Hey, troop. Everything all right in there? Frantic whispering became clearer as Valerie leaned in, listening closely, turning up the volume dial. Amongst the static, she heard a voice say, Circles and squares, circles and squares. Check on the children, they didn't say their prayers. Grabbing her jacket, Valerie copied back, That's not funny, kids. I'm on my way and you all better be asleep. She quickly made her way out of her cabin, across the camp and back to their bunks. In the darkness, 
She saw their sleeping heads on their pillows. She paused beside the door, waiting for whichever culprit had pranked her to give in to hushed whispers and giggles, but nothing. They were asleep. Well, even pranksters get tired, I guess. She headed back to her cabin. As she got back to her door, the walkie went off again. Circles and squares, circles and squares. Check on the children, they didn't say their prayers. She couldn't tell who it was. The voice was so distorted. Hello? She asked, worried, looking outside. No cabin had a light on. The camp bonfire had long since died. Chilled, she quickly closed the door behind her. She would have a stern talking to with her troop in the morning about the walkie-talkie. This was beyond creepy. Not even an hour later, as the night drew closer to morning, the voice called once again, this time over and over. Circles and squares, circles and squares. Check on the children, they didn't say their prayers. Circles and squares, circles and squares. Check on the children, they didn't say their prayers. Circles and squares, circles and squares. Valerie had had enough and reached for the talkie to shout into it once and for all when suddenly it stopped and said, Too late. Something pounded on Valerie's door. Frightened, Valerie grabbed a hatchet from her kit and headed to the door, swinging it open. No one was there. Just a paper stuck to it. On it, written in a sticky red liquid, it said, they should have said their prayers. In a panic, Valerie ran across the camp, running back to the children's door and saw red dripping on it. Shapes, circles, and squares. They were positioned to look like the top of a bowed head over two clasped hands. They were drawn in blood. Flinging open the door, yelling to her campers, she slammed on the lights and saw that the children's heads were still resting on their pillows like before because they had been severed from their bodies. Their bodies neatly stacked in the shape of a square on the floor. The rest of the camp counselors and kids found her the next day on the cabin floor, semi-catatonic and silent, except for an occasional whimper. They say she's still alive today in a hospital, but she never says a word, only draws circles and squares. Thank you so much, Maddie, for sending us this story that inspired us so much. I'm wondering, do you think she should have turned on the light earlier to check on them? It's not something that I would really think to do, but then I wouldn't expect to find what Valerie found with all of those circles and squares. Do you have any urban legends or campfire stories that you hear in your communities? Please drop us a line and let us know them. Coffins used to be built with holes in them, attached to six feet of copper tubing and a bell. The tubing would allow air for victims buried under the mistaken impression they were dead. Harold, the Oakdale gravedigger, upon hearing a bell, went to go see if it was children pretending to be spirits. Sometimes it was also the wind. This time, it wasn't either. A voice from below begged, pleaded to be unburied. You Sarah O'Bannon? Yes, the voice assured. You were born on September 17th, 1827? 
Yes. The gravestone here says you died on February 19th? No, I'm alive. It was a mistake. Dig me up. Set me free. Sorry about this, ma'am, Harold said, stepping on the bell to silence it and plugging up the copper tube with dirt. But this is August. Whatever you is down there, you ain't alive no more, and you ain't coming up. This week's podcast stories were edited by Markia McCarty, Gail Gilman, and Sabina Graves. Audio edited by Fitz Harris. Graphics by Johnny Ashley. Produced by Annalise Nelson. Music by Sapphire Sandalo. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my dark darlings, sweet dreams. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.